0: Hello, and welcome to the official podcast for the 31st annual FIRST Conference. We're looking forward to welcoming you to the conference in Edinburgh, Scotland, 16th through the 21st of June. I'm your co-host,
1: Chris John Riley, And I'm your other co-host, Martin McKay. Thanks for listening.
0: on the show we're lucky enough to be talking to Mike Murray and Robert Lelouski from SecureWorks. Welcome to the show. Thanks Chris. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to have a quick chat with us about the upcoming FIRST conference and the talk you're going to be giving. And you're covering common tabletop failures in exercises. An interesting topic, something that may be slightly outside of the norm for, for certain people who have attended FIRST over the last few years. Maybe you can give us a quick breakdown on, on what you're going to be covering.
1: Yeah, thanks, Chris. So, uh, one of the the most commonly facilitated engagements that uh, our team here at SecureWorks runs are tabletop exercises for our clients. Uh, we find that these are a, a fairly low impact way to get the the organization to review and refamiliarize each other with uh, their plans and processes for when the inevitable happens. So, it's it's something that that is increasingly common uh, among our, our client base for them to request uh, these exercises. Um, and really what we're trying to do is just highlight some of the, the points in advance uh, of maybe facilitating uh, internal exercises uh, that we see commonly in that consulting role come up, pitfalls to avoid in, in uh, planning, executing, and, and ultimately carrying out the, the exercise.
0: So I know you said you're going to cover some of the, the kind of common uh, exercise failures that, that people have. I mean, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what the most common one is. Is it an issue where people aren't planning or people are jumping into things without too much planning in the background? Or, or is there something else?
2: When Mike and I were brainstorming, the, the, we, we summed it up as the top eight common failures. Keeping in mind that the vast majority of our clients that engage us for tabletops, probably have not run tabletops in the past. So for a lot of our clients, it's it's their first jump into a tabletop or maybe their second or third, but they're not really in tune with a repeatable process and haven't hit a lot of those pitfalls. So in that journey and developing and facilitating a tabletop for them, we tend to hit a lot of those pitfalls with them and we try to steer clear of what those may be. One of the the biggest pitfalls uh, that I see on my end is that folks don't want to include cross-functional representation. And by that, I mean, it's very easy to get a bunch of IT guys in a room and pile them into a conference room and figure out a problem. And more than likely, folks can figure out what they need to do. You typically work with your fellow IT colleagues or IT security on a regular basis. You know your network inside and out. You know your security controls, logs, and how to confront just about any major problem. The biggest pitfall that we see is having folks dedicate time for a cross-functional tabletop. And by that, I mean pull in non-technical resources. So somebody like HR, legal, public relations, physical security. And, and that's typically the biggest value that I see when we're facilitating a tabletop is we're helping forge those communication paths between these non-technical groups. And having a tabletop dedicated solely for those cross-functional folks helps facilitate that communication, helps bring those unique interests, those non-IT interests out in the open. And typically folks don't want to have those types of tabletops because Honestly, they're harder. You have to pull in different people you may not work with on a regular basis. So just me, from my bias, that's my biggest one. Uh, Micah, I'm assuming you've seen a couple as well that are near and dear to you? Yeah, I think
1: the one that's probably uh, top of my list, uh, not to give too much away in advance of the the actual talk, but especially when you start, uh, as you said, Rob, bringing in some of the other parts of the organization and including potentially some of the more senior uh, folks in the organization that there tends to be a degree of concern when it comes to airing dirty laundry right so you know we've we've had to i think over time walk people away from using thing terms like uh, like tests or drills or things like that to represent exercises um, primarily in the interest of conveying that this is intended to improve right it's kind of like you know what what does exercise mean to you and thinking about how athletes (coughs) exercise for example this is about preparing about uh, being better about learning the the pitfalls uh, about learning where you're you're You should be investing effort in exploring and improving your your capabilities, and you can't do that if people in the room are are hesitant to share openly and honestly the deficiencies uh, maybe within their own organizational components, uh, weaknesses in in tooling and processing that – Ultimately, those are the things that you want to highlight in these exercises. So sort of, I guess, level setting up front, setting the groundwork and expectations for for what's going to take place as an exercise is, is one that I would have to call out.
2: Something I always like to tell folks is that whenever we conduct a tabletop, probably my third or fourth slide in whenever we first talk about ground rules is, um i I always have a slide in there to say this is not a test we're not grading you it's not as though as i'm going to call out somebody and say john doe did this or those people did that and that's terrible and and i remember once i forgot to put that slide in my deck and i realized within the first few injects where we were starting to discuss the scenario everybody's super quiet nervous and just nobody wanted to speak up and and Finally, I realized I was. Wait, I, I didn't actually do my usual spiel about how this isn't a test. And I told him, I was like, guys, this isn't a test. Like, we're just having a conversation about ways to improve. This is nothing more than a facilitated conversation. Please speak up. And it was like letting the air out of a balloon. Suddenly, everybody felt relaxed once they quickly realized that they didn't have a reason to feel potentially even scared about where the entire exercise was going to go. And I can't emphasize enough. Like Mike said, this is a facilitated conversation, a point where people can come together and share their concerns. It doesn't need to be a stress test.
0: Well, like any complex scenarios are going to throw – Occasional curveballs, right, things you didn't expect, and, and edge case scenarios where you thought, we didn't consider this. You know, there is no system that's 100% foolproof, and the whole point of these kind of scenarios, much like testing your backups, right, you're, you're going through that process to make sure what you expect to happen happens. You know, at the at the very end of it, you're making that process better by testing it and by, by reviewing it and, and learning from this, the, the mistakes and the, the processes that don't go as smoothly as you think they're going to go.
2: You bet. And we've had times where folks will start talking about their potential response and we may get five minutes into a a particular line of thought about what the organization was going to do technically or, uh, communication wise or some other path. And suddenly somebody speaks up and says, well, wait a second, what about system X? And suddenly everybody stops and, and no one considered it. And, and a good example, we had a, um, we had an engagement a while back with a, uh, an organization that was thinking about taking a server offline. And we, were, we presented a security situation. And uh, one of the questions was, well, do we take off that, that system, take that system offline? And then maybe five or ten minutes in, somebody says, wait a second, that server processes basically flu vaccination information. And if we take that off, suddenly we can't give flu shots, which is a pretty big deal during flu season. Did somebody consider ramifications of it? And it's a great example of you start confronting an IT incident and you take a lot of logical steps, but then somebody may pipe up and say, well, wait, what's the downstream impact of that? And that's part of the benefit of the tabletop, bringing all these unique interests together to talk about how a potential response plays out in concert. And I think Chris, too,
1: to your point about looping in and, and potentially, uh, I guess, uh, looking at new or unique components of, of the, the organization and the infrastructure, that's another great use case, right? So to Rob's point, bringing in the business certainly lends a lot of insight, but what about things that folks haven't maybe had the time to consider in terms of incident response new new business processes that have been you know the the supporting information systems have been integrated into your infrastructure or uh, you know a lot of people still in the throes of moving services to the cloud using air quotes for whatever definition of cloud, or using, right? What does it take to, um, to carry out these activities in, in systems and in, in parts of the, the organization or outside of the organization with vendors that you haven't had a chance to explore yet? Again, another um, sort of straightforward opportunity to, to bring some of those new things in and, and kick the tires and, and talk about what makes sense in those cases.
0: One of the things that I've, I've always been interested in when it comes to tabletop exercises is uh, th- there's a tendency to you bring in bring in the the, the primetime players, right? You bring in the head of whoever deals with your incident response, you bring in the head of the forensics team, the head of HR, and you, you bring in these key people who you expect to play a role in incident response. And then even if things go smoothly at that point, if you remove one of those pieces from the board, when an actual event occurs, if the, the head of forensics is off on vacation and they're unavailable suddenly everything starts to to fall apart which is obviously an opportunity during the tabletop exercise to say well if this person this key person was not available what would we then do and then play out those kind of scenarios
2: you you hit the nail on the head with it with not just a big issue with a tabletop but incident response in general there's a tendency to point arrows towards the key player like there's always one person in the organization that has been there for 15 years and knows everything inside and out and that person's been put in a position for incident response to uh, basically address just about anything under the sun and for a small scale incident maybe lasting a day they can handle it but when you're talking multiple days uh, that person becomes a single point of failure and even though that person is well qualified he or she's going to burn out or in the situation you just brought up they may not be there. And I can't tell you how many tabletops that I bring up exactly that, where there's clearly the person in the room that knows what is going on technically. And, um, I said, okay, well, let's take a time out, pause and we'll call this person, Joe. Uh, let's say Joe is on vacation. And of course, Joe always says, well, I'll always be reachable via my cell phone. Oh, okay. More than likely you can, but let's pretend you are off diving off the coast of Belize. You are unreachable. That person is gone. And typically what we see is that the response breaks down. There's not a chain of command that falls into place where there's a clear second in command and losing that knowledge just basically sends everybody flying different directions. Yeah.
0: And that's obviously where it's important to draw those things out in a tabletop exercise, as opposed to in real life events, right? You, you, you plan to fail. Otherwise you're not doing, uh, the the process justice, right? The process should be flexible enough to be able to adapt for those kind of things.
1: Yeah. And you want the the process to be flexible, but you don't want people to, to feel like they've got to be uh, more flexible than, than they, they should be. Right. So, I mean, to, to Rob's point, there's also uh, the need to ensure that when there is an incident, like an actual incident, that that probably very key and important resource in your response capability isn't trying to go it alone, right? Tabletops are a great way to to highlight the The reliance and discuss, you know, you're not going to have to do it alone, you know, guy that's been around forever and and knows all the ins and outs of stuff. Um, You're going to need to rely on these other parts of the organization. There are decisions that are going to be made that, you know, you probably take a good guess at based on your experience, but you're really not in an authoritative position to make those. So, again, clarifying the roles and responsibilities and, and making sure that folks know that you know, it's not something that just that one person that's been around forever is going to be able to handle. If it's an actual incident, it's going to require more than, than just that person. There are things that are outside of their, their area of expertise that, that they're going to need to rely on others for. It's a great opportunity to bring those things to light and, and really highlight and, I guess, instill in the other parts of the organization that you know, this isn't just an IT thing anymore, and uh, that, that we're going to need your help in, in effectively and in comprehensively responding.
0: To teams that may be interested in, in learning a little bit more about tabletop exercises, other than coming to your talk, which is obviously a great start for the for the teams. When should they start to, to look at this? Is this is this a day one? your process of being put in place, we should do a tabletop or is this something that, that companies should do as they become more mature with their, their processes and they need to be able to understand
2: where things may go wrong. Personally, I feel as though a, a tabletop is applicable just about anywhere on that maturity spectrum. And I always like to tell folks that it's a good idea to have an incident response plan in place. I mean, that's basic security. 101, one have a plan in place for when something bad happens But there may even be value in having a tabletop before you have a plan in place because you can walk through what may happen in a facilitated conversation kind of a sense, not stress test. And that could potentially help you build out your plan and identify nuances to your organization that should be represented in the plan. And of course, once you actually do get an incident response plan as being that foundation for a response Hopefully, there's a component within that plan that states every six months we will do some sort of an exercise. Whether maybe uh, in July we do a more of a technical exercise, and then in December we do more of a management focus exercise. And my point being, pretty much anywhere in the maturity spectrum, there there's no real bad time to have a tabletop.
1: Yeah, I agree, Rob. I, I think the thing that I would throw in there too is. Um, not just as it pertains to planning, but really when you're trying to highlight any concern, right? So I, I often ask clients, you know, do you have specific things in terms of processes or tooling, things that you're trying to invest in currently that you want to highlight the potential value of in this exercise? I, I call them, you know, ulterior motives for exercising. You know, have you been trying to push? Um, some security vendor contract through contracts and you need to highlight that, hey, we need this contract to be executed or, um, you know, hey, we, we have a, a lack of visibility uh, in some part of the network or we need to, you know, upgrade our tooling, whatever it happens to be. It, you know, even the planning and sort of the maturity of the organization aside – um, there's always some pet project or some something that you're trying to push along that the tabletops can be a good way to highlight, again, across the organization a need, gain
2: support, et cetera. That's a great point, Mike. and and a lot of our tabletops, uh, I can't tell you how often when when we ask them in that planning stage, uh, what are you trying to push? There, there's typically some sort of an agenda there. Um, every now and then you have a client or two that says, look, we just needed to check the box for compliance and, and that's fine. We get it. But there's almost always something that you're, you're trying to push, whether it's help desk education or just simply educate folks on the existence of the plan and what to do or uh, how to involve vendors. There, there's almost always some sort of additional benefit It's not just you have a tabletop, you check the box. People are more knowledgeable. You may identify a few deficiencies, but it's a great opportunity to focus on something that is near and dear to you that you may have been pushing for quite a while.
0: It sounds like there's a lot people can learn by uh, coming to your talk and and listening to to some of the the common exercise failures. Uh, Hopefully people will have time to to have a chat afterwards and, and make sure that their tabletop exercises go smoothly.
2: Well, we certainly hope that they find value in it.
0: Thank you very much for taking time to chat to us. Mike and Rob, really appreciate it, and I look forward to talking to you more at the
1: event. Likewise, Chris. We'll see you in Edinburgh. Thanks.
0: You've been listening to the official podcast of the 31st Annual First Conference.
1: We look forward to seeing you in Edinburgh, June 16th through 21st.